0: Oh yeah, here we go. Welcome to Future Balls. What do we have first up? Well, I think I'm spinning the wrong way. (laughs) Hey, number one is GMO. GMO. Yeah, we're spinning the right way now. Number two. The second topic we'll talk about is VR. VR and GMO. And number three, lucky number three is, dun-dun-dun-dun, Renewables. Okay. Oh, my God. Renewables, GMO, and VR. Okay. How does that impact the future? Go, go, go. Renewables, GMO. (laughs) (laughs) Quick monkey.
1: Code futurist. Monkey futurist. Monkey futurists. Um That is a tricky one. I've got to let it sit. I was too busy concentrating on spinning the ball (laughs) machine.
0: (laughs) It went the wrong way and it's like, time to panic.
1: It's not coming (laughs) out.
0: Oh, we didn't say our names either. Uh, Monkey one, monkey two. (laughs) Tristan Grace.
1: Both monkeys. Yeah. Um, GMO, VR.
0: And renewables. Oh my God. Well, okay. So GMO and renewables, I think it's actually... Uh, brings up something really interesting that I, I guess I haven't really fully appreciated. But once you have fully renewable energy coming through, like let's just say it's all solar, all, all all of that power is getting put into creating food, creating like you know genetically modified stuff. That means that you've just got essentially infinite food just being produced there. All you need to do is just the maintenance on top. But it's not like you're running out of a, a resource that's going to run out. We're directly converting the sun, into food for us. So if that can scale up as much as we need it to, that means it could support just tons of people for free.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah we can get part part. that part. That's a good part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because uh, so obviously if you have like infinite uh, and energy, or well, not infinite, like yeah, abundance. Abundance, like, yeah. Let's just say full on abundance need, energy, uh, yeah. Although I, I, I assume like once we hit, you know, 200 percent uh 300 percent 400 percent energy we're just going to use it all like Mm. like when we hit like yeah
0: exactly when we
1: hit one gigabit per second internet we're like well we'll just use it all
0: yeah we'll just keep on using more
1: but um so the cool thing the cool thing that I've always loved um I think uh Peter Diamandis was the first that kind of I heard this from and pushed it is like well once you have abundant energy you you have abundant water because you just do desalination (laughs) absolutely because the biggest like the biggest uh issue with desalination is I mean once you get around like there's a lot of maintenance issue with like cleaning out pipes and all that stuff, but the biggest thing is like energy. It's just a mm. massive energy sink, mm. um, which is why it makes more sense like not to do desal if you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, once you do, once you have abundant energy, you have desal, so you have unlimited water, and so now you've got you've just solved your your water issue for yeah. growing
0: food. Yeah, solved your water, solved your food. Once renewables hit that point. I think there'll be a giant cultural shift as well because it's still very much like, you know, don't consume too much, all of that, like, you know, because it's still like, you know, doing bad impacts. But yeah. let's just say if all those negative externalities get solved, then consuming is not a bad thing. It's kind of like the same way. If you actually are paying for all renewable energy right now, then go for it. Oh my God, if you like having your air conditioner running <laughs> non-stop and just sitting in the cold, don't try and optimize all these micro things about turning off lights when you go into a room or out of a room or something. <laughs> I like that. I like that idea of just going crazy with energy, like crazy with CPU cycles, crazy with uh, uh, internet bandwidth. Like, I yeah. just leave a 4K stream on my side monitor because why the <laughs> fuck not? Whereas, thinking back to, you know, 10 years ago when every bit, we, we used to fight over stuff in the share house about who was using the bandwidth. It oh, was yeah, now yeah. just, oh, just go for it. That's just all have the fights. Myself everywhere. and
1: my brother as, as kids, there's all the fights we had. It's like there was not yeah. enough bandwidth for, for both of us to play games online at the same
0: time. Yeah. It's now like, it's a harmonious collective in a house. Does that mean we'll have a harmonious society with a full renewables? There'll be no more wars or anything. Uh, no, yeah, no, I no. don't know.
1: <laughs> well, there's, there's like, I mean, there's the whole like, uh, one of the criticisms of techno-optimism is that whole thing of like, well, if we just have abundant, like you, you just said there, like if we just have abundant energy well, yeah, we can just like- solve Just keep, keep, consum- keep doing the same thing we do. Like nothing can go wrong. <laughs> it's like, eh.
0: yeah. There'll be another local maximum, I think. We'll get yeah. to a point that'll be there'll be something that stops us from continuing to grow. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think um another thing we could do with renewables is if we have unlimited energy. Um, so carbon capture is a big thing.
0: Mm. Um, yeah, that's and true. Again,
1: that's going to be a massively like energy intensive process, I assume. Um, if mm. they ever, like I'm still dubious of this idea. Like this this you know idea that we have this machine that just like uh you just you plot put these machines around and they just like suck out all the carbon. Like, I don't know if it was going to work at that scale, but, um, some of the companies that are trying to do that, they're, they're kind of having, uh, byproducts of that. So like basically you okay. suck out the carbon and then you can, um, make things like alcohol or fuel or all these other things. Yeah. Right. And so I'm wondering like if, if you could also do something where you could suck out nutrients from the air and that becomes your fertilizer source. Yeah. Um, you
0: know, all the carbon getting in there, all the, um, all the fertilizer.
1: Yeah, because if you think like, I don't know if I'm not a chemist, but no. <laughs> um, uh, like I've heard before that like this trippy idea that trees don't grow from the ground necessarily, they grow from the air. Oh, it is all the air. Yeah, it's all the carbon in the air. Pulling That's... out all, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the air. But I wonder if you could also do something, yeah, where you just like, um, so we're talking about like carbon capture machines. Like what if you had like uh, nutrient capture machines where they can somehow just like pull out nitrogen from the air and then turn that into fertilizer um, and then you could use that to then help grow uh, food again. I don't know. Hells, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Random idea. I like that. What about GMO? Let's go more specifically on GMO. because Yeah, great
0: true. Great. Just kind of just went oh, yeah. GMO all being food, but oh my God, that is just the very, very beginning. Yeah, yeah. So what are we going to genetically modify next? What, what's uh, not just food, but going on to somewhere else?
1: Well, so, uh, something I've, I've been really keen on, I don't know again, because I'm not a geneticist or biologist or anything, but I really <laughs> love um, this idea of like GMO salt-resistant azola as a way to another carbon capture type technology um, to help, you know, kind of reverse climate change. Because the idea of like, if you look back, at, there's a thing called the azola event where apparently like a long time ago, uh, there was a big freshwater body um, and azola, this kind of duckweed thing, took over the entire uh, lake and the lake would fill up and it would flood out into the ocean. And so what would happen is the... Azolla is only like a freshwater plant, but what would happen is it would go out onto the ocean, um, being pushed out of this big lake... And then uh, it would survive on the ocean for a long time because uh, there's like a freshwater layer above the saltwater. Mm. And then when the Azola would uh, die, it would then sink to the bottom of the ocean and essentially it's taken the carbon out and, and just dropped it to the bottom of the ocean.
0: Ah, oh, that's cool.
1: And Azola does the exponential thing. Like it basically like doubles every day or something ridiculous. So it'd be cool if you had salt resistant GMO where you could just like, okay, you just grow it in today's oceans. You just release it. It just very quickly like covers like huge amounts of area of the oceans, captures all that carbon, and then just sinks to the bottom. Yeah. I'm sure there's like chills down there. I'm sure there's like second order, third order complexity like issues of you know, covering the entire ocean with her. <laughs> nah, with a she'll be it. right, mate.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's the cool one. Um,
0: that is cool. I I have not come across that before. That's, yeah. yeah, interesting.
1: I mean, the there's, there's the GMO of all the like creating your own artificial life and crazy organisms
0: and... Creating your own... Changing your own bacteria, changing just everything. We're getting into the... Growing cat girls. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You don't hear a lot about, like, GMO of animals. I mean, like, you know, the -the glow-in-the-dark mouse and all that, but I feel like that's super old now. Like, you know, the ear on the back of the mouse, that was the big thing of us growing up, but god damn, that's old. Like, what are some of the latest technologies in the animal GMO space. I haven't come across a lot lately that I can talk about. I'm sure there's a lot out there.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I occasionally try and watch like the indie bio um, demo days. They're usually the best. Um, But they're doing more stuff like, uh, like... Plant based leather, like lots of plant based stuff.
0: Mm. Um, Are they plugging any animals directly into VR, replacing their eyes with maybe just screens in there and that's all the animal can experience? Just for the shit of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why not? We could then you can actually fully control their inputs, at least from their eyes. If you simulate all the rest going around, you've got a genetically modified animal that only exists in VR. (laughs) It's only sight is from that. Then what is cool, that you could actually say put cameras around uh, somewhere else so you could actually make it seem like it's going through different things. You know, chuck a cat in a roller coaster, see how it reacts. The ethics of this are just so wildly awful. Interesting
1: though. I feel like this is something Zuckerberg would do easily. (laughs) No qualms.
0: (laughs) Already doing it to humans, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of cool things that you could do there once you actually start replacing senses of an animal as digital copies. So let's let maybe just start small, super, super small. So I'm not sure how you do it with bacteria, but well, let's just go say with a mouse or something. Still horribly ethically wrong, but let's just skip over that for now and just keep on going with it. So say you replace its eyes with VR, so it's directly in there, replace its um, auditory as well, so it's just totally controlled digitally. And you're then just, control well, at least through audio visual you're controlling exactly what the mouse sees you could put it into different experiences record how it reacts and then do it again with another mouse there's a great game called soma where that's essentially what happens is that you start virtualizing a person in a space but it's actually them and you just make them run through it again and again and again and again and again that's how they interrogate you to find out your passwords as they just put you through this thing again and again until they get your password oh, God. yeah it's pretty <laughs> horrific. But uh, yeah, well, you're starting to make like proper digital animals. And like, maybe that's a good way to actually connect something to the machine to actually make life digital itself is that you're replacing bits and pieces that way. So you're, genetically mo- See, you're not really modifying the mouse, but you, there would have to be a side on the biology. Uh, there'd have to be something on the biological side to actually interface as well with the machine to have like, your eyes replaced or something. I don't think it's as simple as just cutting up what we are now and putting it on. I'd really wish it would be because that means we could do it, but. but isn't
1: that what like Neuralink and others are doing? There's no well, yeah, that's true. Huh? There's no genetic modification
0: there. Mm. Mm. Man, what is what if you could though? What would that allow? Allowing the could you make it more receptive? Because the problem with my my understanding at the moment that one of the biggest issues with having a brain computer interface is the kind of like scarring over that you put the like the electrodes in the brain and it kind of like rejects it and it keeps on trying yeah, to push yeah, yeah. it out. That's my very limited understanding.
1: I think they're hoping to solve that just with smaller wires.
0: Yeah, right, okay. I
1: don't know. Mm. Well, that's great then. Potentially, yeah. I I wonder if you could do stuff like, so sticking with the eye, so you could potentially do stuff where you genetically modify vision to like, you know, mm. um, like, I mean, things like uh, there's different species that you know, can see in different Wavelengths, I assume. Yeah. So all the if you could, bees. yeah. So if you could do that, and you can kind of genetically modify um, humans in that way, where you basically take what what we already know of in the in the in the animal kingdom, and you just kind of like selectively take those, and then you just, um, I mean, okay, what, what would be cool is like if we had a um, a, a genetic bank of like uh, all of the crazy adaptations that every single known species on them on the planet has and we just like um, codify that into like a, a genetic string and then we can just like ha- um, so <laughs> you could almost have like a weird little app store of like genetic enhancements for either yourself or for plants or anything and you basically just go okay well um, you know I want to have like a uh, night vision and you just go to the app store and you just go like, Oh yeah, there's the night vision code.
0: Genetic DLC. Huh? Yeah.
1: And you just like, yeah, you download it. It's, it's a subscription basis. Yeah, of course, <laughs> naturally. It can't be anything <laughs> else. Turn it off if you stop. Paying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you just like, you go, yep, download. And it just like, it prints out the DNA code into like a little vial or a little tablet or something and you eat it. And then you just, um, it just goes through your body and it just like does, uh, Genetic modification. <laughs> tot, 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 magic.
0: <laughs> all powered by renewables.
1: It'd be cool if you could reverse it as well, because like, it would suck if like, you just get all these, like, yeah, like, that's aggregating, like, oh shit, I've got night vision now, fuck.
0: That's <laughs> the big know. thing that terrifies me with a lot of that stuff and human augmentation and all of, and uh, along those lines of just modifying the body, is uh, I'd like to know that it's very res- reversible very easily. Because, uh, oh my God, as it's, it's you build software, as you just make anything, there are issues. All the time, there are issues. You get like a uh, genetic debt, like tech debt. <laughs> yeah. Like legacy legacy uh, code, like, oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. Well, God, we already have that now as humans. Like, you know, our backs and all of that, our appendix, all of these little vestiges of our... You genetic end, history.
1: You end up being plagued by like uh, genetic microservices in your body. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. Every time I like move, it just runs like 10,000 fucking genetic pieces of <laughs> shit that I've aggregated over the years.
0: <laughs> you have a stack <laughs> overflow question popping up. Every time I waggle my left finger, it squeaks. <laughs> Please help. Oh, man. Okay. So just combining it with renewables which i'm taking to mean we didn't go deep into what renewables could be and all that but i'm just taking that to be Renewable essentially <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we didn't say it yet doesn't just have to be energy but so if we did actually have unlimited energy and that could be poured into say vr and you've got um, a biological creature modified to actually be inside the machine with a vr headset on unlimited power. You're big
1: on this, like putting putting poor animals no. into forced <laughs> VR. <No>.
0: The <laughs> poor creatures. Continue. <laughs> They're just trying their we best. Could, we could try the rabbit in VR. No. Like. <laughs> poor thing. Done nothing wrong except to eat all of my plants. Yeah, where were you going? With? Um, where was I going with this? <laughs> no, with the unlimited power, <laughs> unlimited energy being put into it, you could really get into some interesting outcomes there because you, you'd stop getting limited by, I don't know, just anything really. You could have whole battery banks of animals hooked up into VR and experiencing different things until something came out. Like, I mean, we thought battery chickens were bad enough, battery VR'd animals to actually just study their responses to things. Dark as fuck. But re- I think some really interesting stuff could come out of there. Hopefully the the ethics regulation gets there beforehand. I think it probably would because of all the surveillance and stuff.
1: Right, yeah. I don't, how, how does more energy with animals... <laughs> I don't
0: understand the connection there. Like, Well, because uh, I... Yeah, I guess that's animals? true. That computing on animals, essentially. Just trying to mimic absolutely every sense of theirs. And I, I think you'd need a lot of power for that. Well, actually, you probably wouldn't need much power at all, really. Small little computation. I yeah, don't
1: know. I don't know where I'm going. I, I do wonder, like, is is energy related to computational power? Like, um, yeah, if sexy. we have more energy, do we compute more, or is it more of a hardware type limitation? So.
0: I think there's a strong correlation between the amount of energy that the world's producing, and the amount of computational output the world's producing. It'd yeah, be okay. interesting to graph together.
1: Yeah, I wonder if like one trails the other. Like, yeah, energy goes up and then computation follows. Yeah.
0: We just like have more cycles to yeah, well, yeah to waste exactly. to burn well, so much of our energy. But it'd be cool to see the percentage as well of the Earth's uh, energy going into computation. What percentage of that <laughs> is becoming computation over years? Like that'd be yeah, it'd it'd be exponential eating the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh well, should we leave it there? Yeah, I think we. Yeah, those three
1: were weird to combine. They were, they were tricky, very hard because they're in different realms. Yeah, each of them are in different realms. Like, well, except for like, I guess VR and renewables is kind of like energy, energy. But then, but
0: they're still very separate. Yeah, I don't that, that a kind lot. of
1: that that kind of shows how like um, biology is still this like mythical like fringe thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, like
1: bio biotech. Like, yeah, I think it's just like biotech
0: is definitely going to be the future of crazy shit, but. I've got to do a deep dive into that. Connecting the two is hard. I haven't actually seen a lot lately. That's cool. Yeah, cool. Wrap it up there. Awesome. Oh, well, I am Tristan Grace. I'm Nathan Waters. Till next time. uh, Catch you then.